insight, innovation, transformation. Welcome to the Change Healthcare Podcast. Visit us online at changehealthcare.com. Welcome, everyone. So glad to have so many of you joining us today. Like Monique said, my name is Ivy Portwood, and I am a Principal Partner Marketing Manager for Adobe. So I work with our fantastic partners. You're joining today the Experience Makers webinar series. As we all know, the delightful virtual world is bringing us together in new and exciting ways. So the title of today's webinar is Delivering a Retail Style Experience in Healthcare. Hopefully that piqued all of your interests enough to join us for this conversation. Um, I am so excited to host not only um, my Adobe colleague, but also uh, Microsoft and Change Healthcare representatives. And these are two of our most strategic partners, particularly in the vertical space of healthcare. So I'm going to do a quick introduction of who I have joining me, and then I'm going to ask them a fun question so you get, can get to know each one of them briefly. But this is a dream team for healthcare and my favorite people to talk to on this topic. So for Microsoft, we have Tracy Picone. She is the Senior Director of U.S. Health and Life Sciences. From Adobe, my colleague, Tom Swanson, uh, Head of Industry Strategy and Marketing for Healthcare and Life Sciences. Tom also lives right around the corner from me. And while we were doing a sound check today, we all checked in on the weather, which seems to be good everywhere, you know, from, from Washington to Florida to Utah, where, where I sit, and Tom as well. And then finally, from Change Healthcare, we have Patrick Leonpacker. He is a business development and operations executive for their connected consumer health business. So I'm going to launch this question for Get to Know You. We've had such an interesting year. Um, so my Get to Know You question for these for these guys is, what's your new favorite food that you make for yourself? Like, I miss the cafe that I complained about so much at the Adobe office. Or if you're like me, you know, who's your favorite DoorDash company <laughs> to, to arrive on your doorstep contactless? So we'll go from Tracy to Tom to Patrick. Oh, gosh. Yes, I love these questions, Ivy, because the last one was a little embarrassed with my answer. So this is a better one. There you go. Ramen. Okay, here's the caveat. I am consuming ridiculous amounts of ramen, but I am not making it. So, <laughs> okay, that is not my, but um, I am enjoying it. The ramen, it's like ramen all the time. Okay, all right. That's a good one. Well, I mean, you, you stole my uh, DoorDash line, right? I was going to say. Well, my, I mean, yeah, who do you get from DoorDash? Yeah, no, it doesn't matter what uh, restaurant I'm ordering from. It seems that my fr good friend now, Derek, is the one that's always uh, <laughs> delivering it. Um, no, but as far as cooking for myself, I'll tell you what. I may be late to the party, but I discovered the joys of the air fryer. Um ah. Right. Um, and so I have found that it is virtually impossible right, to mess up cooking something with an air fryer. <laughs> and the 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 top end is it produces the most perfect uh, tater tots uh, that I've actually ever had in my life. Fantastic. <laughs> well, Tom, I happen to burn wings in my air fryer, so be careful because it is possible. I can vouch for that. But I will say 
Uh, I imagine I'm not the only one. I received a bread maker when I got married that has remained in a box for the longest time. And it was really quite enjoyable to pull that out, assuming you could find yeast at the grocery store because that became a hot commodity. So I know how to make bread in a bread maker. <laughs> That's fantastic. Life skills that we're learning during this pause. All right, well, thanks, Tracy, Tom, and Patrick. So today's flow, we're going to talk first about digital disruption in healthcare, particularly over the past years. Of course, it's become paramount to be able to manage all aspects of care with limited physical contact. So we're going to give a name to this, which we'll define in our first question to the, to the panel here today, which is the digital front door of healthcare. Then we're going to turn our attention fully to what retailers are doing that we feel is useful for the healthcare industry. So We'll talk about what best practices can be shared and what does that mean for patient and provider experiences. And then finally, we'll address, of course, we're, we're software companies. So what are the basics for what technology is needed to support these digital improvements? So I'm going to have our producer, Monique, put up the first poll while we're going into our first question. The poll is the poll question for you. And take a look on the right-hand side, you'll see on the little chat bubble, that there is now kind of a blue overlay on it. So that poll is live. Please go and give us your input. But which components of a digital strategy do you feel would be most useful to your organization? So the options are digital registration and check-in, online self-scheduling, online payment tools, telehealth options, and then symptom triage. Some of these, of course, are already in effect for many of you. Um, but we'd like to get your your input as we go into this first question. So with that, I'm going to ask our panel the first question that we talked about. So what is a digital front door? So I'd like to describe what we mean by that for healthcare specifically. And I'll I'll have Patrick lead us into that one. And then of course Tom and Tracy come in when you when you have that. Sure. So I think a digital front door is all about enabling our consumers, our patients with tools and technology that offer them more self-help capabilities to access the resources of the health system. Uh, at a very high level, certainly that includes searching for a, a procedure, uh, a provider, looking at a price, that price being contextually aware to my insurance, uh, uh, and giving me options to prepay for it and complete registration. When I can do all those self-help things uh, myself, I think that's an effective digital front door for a healthcare organization. Tracy? I guess all of those things, right, Patrick? That's fantastic. I think the other thing that I always think about with the digital front door is it's that first line. So 20 years ago when I was in private practice, the first line was the front, the, the, the front desk employees. That was the first line. And then we were starting to get into websites and just to give information, there was no interaction. Maybe you could you know, have an encyclopedia of information that you could access, but it was that website. And I think we're, you know, we're so far ahead of that now. It has to be personalized. There has to be um, navigation that's easy. There has to be access to all of the information, whether you wanna make an appointment or you're looking for information. And it also has to be where you're at. So it has to be on your mobile. It has to be on your mobile device, whether you're a young person or um, our older patient populations, they're not using 
the normal computer system anymore, right? Or the normal PC. They're using tablets and their phone. And so access and access can mean, you know, has many, many definitions get into, I think, another one later, but access, navigation, personalization, and management. Tom, before you go, I'm going to share some of the updates so you could have some context on what the poll results are, but shows we have about 37% on digital registration and check-in, 20% on online self-scheduling, and 17% on telehealth, and then equally split on 13% for online payments and system treatment. Symptom, excuse me. Thank you, Ivy. Um, and I'm going to kind of further emphasize a word that both Tracy and Patrick um, mentioned a couple times, right, which is access. I, I, I think that's the key to the establishment of a digital front door. Now, all of the kind of functionality, right, that Tracy and Patrick were talking about, I think, is of critical importance. But the bottom line is access right, in terms of making healthcare available to people how, when, and where they want it, right? So being where your customers are and making yourself accessible to them, right? Now, Tracy and Patrick mentioned, uh, you know, access to information, access to self-service, access to, uh, you know, and, and our poll said things like telehealth, right? To me, that's all just different forms of being available to your customers when, how, and where they want, right? So it's all of the different channels, whether that channel is face-to-face, -face, whether that channel is by phone, whether that channel is by telehealth or, uh, you know, simply information gathering on a website, right? I think you actually have to have all of those channels available and digital is the way all of those channels save for face-to-face -face work these days yeah you think tom uh another way to do or uh, another way to define the digital front door then is uh, a competitive differentiator and a competitive advantage if you will for an effective digital front door well, I, yes, I mean, I do, right? Because I think if you have, I mean, think think about it in terms of a front door, right? So I don't think it's accidental, right, that we're using that terminology, right? right? And it's like, what would you consider to be a, a competitive differentiator of a front door itself, right? Uh, you know, a nice, open, airy, sunny entryway, right, with nice signage or would you be looking like to go down some back alley like where there's pallets and garbage piled up right <laughs> and there's the door into your your clinic right i mean so it, it's all about i think putting on right the best competitive face that you can and making available as much about your business available in all of the different channels, right, with which we've discussed. Yeah, I like that. I thought a little bit about, uh, you know, how we all have these, like, digital doorbells now that allow us on a personal basis to make sure we know who's at our door. And uh, it's a little different, of course, in the healthcare situation, but um, it, it allows us to do some different things that have been helpful over the past year as well on a personal level. Okay, any other digital capabilities that healthcare providers may benefit from then in this line of questioning? 
Well, you know, I think one of the ones that uh, um, healthcare providers in particular, right? I mean, I think all of the things, uh, Ivy, that you listed in the poll are are some form of kind of stealth service, right? Yeah. The ability to kind of do these these kind of basic registration or administrative or payment, you know, the the kind of the basic stuff to do it on your own. I think the one that's been a little bit overlooked, right, which I think for providers in particular can be critical is this whole idea of digital triage, right, where through very simple questions, right, or, you know, a, a little survey where you provide some very basic information about yourself, providers can essentially now direct you to the appropriate you know, course of action, right? I mean, we saw a lot of this with the pandemic where, um, you know, questions around, do I need a test? Should I get a test? Do I not need a test, right? Or now, should I get the vaccine? What's the availability of the vaccine? You know, do I, you know, can I just walk in? Do I have to schedule an appointment? All of those kinds of basic answers to those questions can be done just by, you know, real quickly filling out a two or a three or a four question survey and then you know based on symptoms do you have a fever yes or no right uh you know have you come in contact with anybody have you traveled they can now send you in the appropriate direction like hey here's testing that's available to you on this day at this time in this place where you don't actually have to pick up the phone and ask those questions, right? By providing some very simple, non-personal information, um, you can be directed to the appropriate place so that you can do this self-service stuff like we've been talking about. Thanks, Tom. Tracy, Patrick, anything to add to that? So any other digital capabilities that healthcare providers might benefit from? One of the pieces I'd almost want to add on to what Tom was saying is how we can overlay all of the resources of these healthcare organizations. Uh, you know, when we think about what Tom was bringing up, it's answers to questions that with that digital front door, a symptom triage that I can answer as a way to offload some of my nurses time uh, to give them answers that they're looking for. Uh, the other thing the pandemic brought up was uh, the growth of telehealth. And when you start to see telehealth as just one more resource of the healthcare organization, things like symptom triage uh, uh, checkers, as well as these digital front door capabilities, really can be a, uh, a front facing, uh, uh, again, triage tool so that a patient, a consumer can have access to the full breadth and depth of all of the resources that the healthcare organization can offer. I'll just add real quick. We talk about the patient or the consumer of health a lot, but the digital front door will empower our providers too and the health system, right? Across the entire ecosystem of, of the health system when there's, you know, we have extraordinary M&A activity going on and growth within these health systems. Imagine being able to keep that patient from every doctor or system that they're in or that they can access, but it's all in one system. So there's a provider, there's the the, the ease for the provider, the access for the provider, the empowerment for the provider that we sometimes overlook when we're talking about the digital front door because we do need to do that, but there's benefit too for the, the provider and the health system overall. Thanks.
Susie. So just to check in on a couple of final things. So with that poll, it looked like in the end, it still was digital registration and check-in that was number one, and then a split between online self-scheduling and telehealth. I, I had my own personal first telehealth experience over the past year, too, and I, it's, it is empowering, and a cool way to think about that is that it's, you know, empowering for both patient and provider. I also want to remind you, everyone, you know, while we're not able to have this, you know, really be a fireside chat where everyone's sitting around together, there is a digital way to <laughs> share your questions, and, and we'll get them through the Q&A area here, so you'll see an overlay there. Um, okay, so I, we have one question, actually. Let's, let's read through this one. So from Teresa, what about making certain uh, the front door is inclusive and representative of diversity, aligning with cultural variants? So this one is skipping a little bit ahead to something, Tracy, you'd already queued up or teed up, which is uh, some of this accessibility as well. So this is not just cultural variants, but maybe we can get into for a second um, age and ability or disability. You want to touch on that one? I do. <laughs> um, and then I'll, I'll make sure to leave time for, for other opinions. But it's vital. It's imperative for businesses that they are accessible and all of the technology is accessible. Right. And here's the here's the cool thing about it is before, if you had a patient come in who spoke another language, and they didn't have a translator, you had to provide that translator. There's time, there's scheduling, there's all sorts of issues that can arise with that so that you can offer real in-time services to your patients. Technology empowers that. It technology allows that. There's you know free translation services. There are AI-backed translation services in um, probably on this, uh, on this webinar that, you know, closed caption services that you can have in 60 different languages and 10 different written languages. You can take all of your information and have a button at the top that says, what language do you want this information for you? Empower the patients where they're at. Maybe it's uh, somebody with an eye disease or a degenerative eye condition. Okay, well, allow 400x increase in the size of the font so that people can read your information or if you you know make sure that your website is accessible make sure that it meets the guidelines and the compliance and regulations for those uh the WCAG standards make sure that those things are happening so it's it's we have translation services we have you know there's compliance and regulatory that you have to meet but there's all of this really just juicy AI driven technology that supports this front door so that you are empowering all of your patients. Because if you don't think, if you don't take into consideration all of the patients and what they would need, I mean, this is healthcare. Our patients will have a disability, right? And, and there's a billion people on the planet with a disability. Right now, we have to make sure that our technology is accessible and secure, but it has got to be accessible to all these, to everybody to be able to use. Because if you don't do it, they will go somewhere else. They absolutely will go somewhere else. So. Yeah, an important differentiator, I agree. Tom, mm -hmm. how do you need to add? Um, well, I, I mean, I think, first of all, everything Tracy said is spot on, right? The net, I think we just need to pay attention to um, availability, 
Right. So if this is truly going to be a front door, right, that not only provides a competitive uh, advantage like Patrick was talking about, but also addresses all of the diverse um, needs that both Tracy and Teresa were talking about, um, it, it I mean, I, I hate to sound redundant, Ivy, but again, it's about access, right? Do you have access to the internet, right? Do you have access to uh, mobile capabilities? Um, you know, there's always been the perception within the industry that the older demographics who are not quite so uh, digitally savvy, right, or not necessarily thinking digital first, right, is a digital front door, the most appropriate front door for those folks, right? Um, I would argue that Yes, right. The pandemic has actually kind of forced that age demographic into much more of a digital orientation. Yeah. Right. We have statistics that kind of bear that out that now, you know, the age groups 55 and over kind of behave just like the younger demographics that we would expect. Right. And the, their drivers may be different where, you know, perhaps they were afraid of, uh, you know, going to a physical location for fear of exposure. Or, you know, maybe it's it's a sense of confusion as to how do I access my day-to-day healthcare now? Um, you know, and and digital was what filled that gap for them because we all know call centers were incredibly overwhelmed at, at the time of the pandemic. So, but then I think also access in terms of underserved communities, right? So we all know that in rural areas or even in inner city communities, access to a doctor or access to a hospital can be really challenging, right? Where, um, you know, it takes you hours to get there, for example, or maybe you're afraid to go to the doctor because you don't necessarily trust them and you don't want to go to their place of business. Telehealth and digital care has actually changed that profoundly, right? Because now the doctor is coming to you. So not only do you have access and convenience, you can address things like safety and concern and fear and things like that, right? So I I would argue that while there maybe are some gaps in terms of digital access, that that is more than offset by filling in the gaps or bridging, you know, inability or access. Thanks, Tom. Um, Patrick, if you have anything to add, otherwise I'm going to move into retail. Just real quick on this, Ivy, and uh, this was echoed in a lot of the uh, Becker's conferences that just happened, is an effective digital strategy can offload some patients to these self-help resources, but it is not an all-or-nothing approach. So the other thing about access and customer service is that imagine if 30 or 60% of your patients take advantage of those digital capabilities, it frees up those staff members to really truly offer the customer service that some of our patients and some of our demographics and population are going to require. So really an effective digital front door strategy uh, accounts for that. It does not replace that human touch, and there are always going to be a, a, a subset of our population that can uh, best utilize those person-to-person -person resources. Yeah, thanks. That's a great ad. 
All right, so I want to head into retail here. So, you know, we've named this this session a little bit more about delivering a retail style experience in healthcare. Well, why? What do we think the retail is doing so well? So why can healthcare benefit so much in the digital space by looking at what retailers do? I would argue it's a somewhat simpler solution for someone that's selling clothing or whatever it might be. But I'm going to turn it back to the panel with the question, you know, what are some retail e-commerce best practices that healthcare leaders can learn from? So it could be around hospitality or other things that are happening in their practice. And, and let's go from there. Well, if I, uh, Ivy, I'll jump in, right? I want to go back to something that Patrick said at the very beginning, right, when he was emphasizing self-service. Right, because I think that's the thing that retail and other industries have captured that the healthcare industry as a whole has been very slow to adopt is this notion that you can actually do some things on your own without necessarily having to speak to a healthcare professional or, you know, another human being. Things like um, renewing prescriptions, right? And having the prescription sent directly to your home, the ability to manage appointments, um, right? And and we talked about kind of the digital triage and, and the fact that with these now ubiquitous wearable devices, right? You actually have clinical grade monitoring of kind of your real life day-to-day -day health status that you can do. You know, so the ability to kind of do things on your own. I mean, Ivy, you know this about me, right? That I'm a profound introvert and generally hate people and interactions with people, right? So, I mean, if there are things that I can do, right, without interacting with anybody else, right, in order to take care of myself and to enable and empower myself as an informed consumer of healthcare, right? All of those things that you can do in retail, I want to do, right? I want to book things myself. I want to schedule things myself. I want to pay for things myself. And I want to be able to execute on all of that digitally without interaction with others. So this has really been your year, Tom, the year where you, you know, uh, you know, not only, I don't want to see you. Sorry. Yeah. No, the, the being locked in my house has been brilliant. And we already we already talked about my hairstyle, right, where my hairstyle is perfect for a pandemic because you can roll out of bed and you're ready to go. Right. You never have a bad hair day. <laughs> All right. Tracy, you want to go next on uh, the retail side? I think uh, one of the thing that re one of the things that we can learn from retail, and actually there was a white paper that recently came out from Providence and the Digital Innovation Group, and they talked about the paradox of choice. But the example they used was from Netflix, and it was all around customer retention, and that is something that we can learn in healthcare, keeping our patients, our consumers of health in within our systems. How do we do that, right? So if we talk about the paradox of choice with this white paper, what they said essentially was with TV and then you had cable and then you had TiVo and you had all, there was this explosion of channels. So, you know, you started up with four and then 10 and then 200 and then thousands of channels. And what they thought was giving all these choices to people would actually empower people. They would just be so excited. What they found was people started to retreat. They, it was too much. So they went to what they knew. 
So you start to lose your, if we relate it back to healthcare, you're going to lose uh, with too many choices. Because with choices, it's just choice. There's no information. It's not manageable. It's not accessible. And it's not personalized. Customer retention. So what Netflix did was they started um, recommendations. So 80% of the viewer activity is recommendations driven and estimated through the engine. And they said it saved them a billion dollars a year in customer return. So 80% is recommendations and they saved a billion dollars a year in customer return. We can do this in healthcare, right? We literally give them the information that's manageable, accessible, it's personalized. And it all goes back to what we've been saying over the last half hour is, you know, an example, I don't, I want to fill out the information one time. I want to do it online and then I want to go into my appointment. I want to schedule online. I want to do all of these things online. But how do you retain a, pa a patient? Like, what is it that they're really looking for, right? So I think a couple things come to mind. We need patient boards. When we make these types of changes with the digital front door, you need a patient board to really be able to walk through. If your organization is starting to take on this type of digital front door change and really have it be effective, your community is going to be different than another community. So really understanding what that is. Because it comes down to, it comes down to retention, right? Recruitment, retention. And if we can do that with personalization, if I can go on to the health system and I know that my information is shared securely across all the health system, it doesn't matter if I need a cardiologist or a PCP, but it's in one group or an orthopedic surgeon and I have to fill the information out once and then they all see it. Oh, my gosh, that's gold. That is gold. Right. So customer retention recommendations. The, we can back this up, all this digital front door with recommendations. So the first time I go on and I provide all the information, then the next time I go on, that's a whole digital data loop. I'm providing more information. The system can take that data and make it actionable. You're listening to the Change Healthcare Podcast. Insight, innovation, transformation. Learn more at changehealthcare.com. Tracy, your enthusiasm is awesome. And I feel... Well, you know, when someone's talking about something, they're like, I'm getting that right now myself. Well, uh, so I have to give some shout out, you know, non-sponsored shout out to Intermountain Healthcare in Utah, which it's my first time where I have, I'm experiencing a lot of that. And you're like, whoa, you know, our expectations are frankly sometimes low as patients. So that's maybe not a good basis with retail. I'm like, you guys better do what you've been doing for years and do it better every year. But uh, I've had some of this, right, where that now I'm like, I need a podiatrist. I need a dermatologist. And it's all the information is in one place. And I'm kind of like, wait, I can email my doctor. And it's um, it's pretty thrilling. But just to touch on another point, like my favorite probably uh, retail brand is is Athleta. And can you imagine, you know, it's very hard coming back to the paradox of choice. They have so many new things that they're launching all the time. And I'm like, after how many years, you know what I like. So those recommendations feel a lot of like, they just break it down to, you like this type of bathing suit. Here are the new designs. It makes everything so much simpler, right? So you don't have the decision fatigue that a lot of us are dealing with, especially in a digital environment. Right. All right, Patrick, did you want to add to that one too? Yeah, so uh, using your Athleta example there, Ivy, imagine they ship it to you, and then two weeks later, a month later, you find out how much it actually costs. When we really compare healthcare to a retail experience and we start to look at price 
And then you start to look at the high deductible health plans and the amount of bad debt that continues to grow in healthcare organizations. You have to say there is something different we can do in healthcare. We've got to rethink this. We've got to be able to present a price to our patients and ultimately allow them to transact for it ahead of time, just as they do in virtually every uh, other vertical uh, that they operate in in their life. Yeah, and, and, and Ivy, if I could wrap this, this part of it up, right, with something that I think is the ultimate lesson, right, that we can learn from retail, it's personalization of the experience. Right, because you mentioned it, Ivy, but you, by saying, you know, our expectations are such that, you know, you know who I am, you know where I, what I like and what my preferences are, and you know where I am in my buying journey, right, based on the content and the things that I've, I've consumed to that point. Why don't we have the exact same expectations in healthcare, right? Because I think... As a healthcare consumer, right, I want to be empowered to make an informed buying decision, just like I do in every other vertical, right? So Patrick's point, tell me how much it's going to cost, right? Tell me how convenient it is for me to get what I'm looking for, right? Help me weigh options in order to make an informed choice. And I know that you're collecting data on me in everything that I do, right, in interactions with your web properties or with your mobile apps or whatever it might be, use that data to better serve me, right, by giving me what I want, when I want it, and personalizing that experience based on what you know about me. I think that's something that the healthcare industry, industry is profoundly missing still, even though things have gotten significantly better. I agreed. I, I was thinking about another retail experience that I had. I'm remodeling some parts of my house and went to a showroom, a standard plumbing showroom. And, you know, you walk in and, you know, similar to what we've all dealt with healthcare and, and healthcare for the last, you know, forever, where you just like, well, I have no idea what this will cost. And when I ask, it seems really awkward. So I walked in and I was looking at tubs and you're like, well, is this tub at the front more expensive? Is that why it's on a pedestal or, you know, and I kind of built all these things that I wanted. And then they later sent, here's what they all cost. And some of them are like astronomically expensive. And of course, I'm not going to pick those because I this is all very different from the things that happen, of course, with healthcare. And I know that there's a very important underlying piece of that, which is your body and your health. But I found it to be something that reminded me of exactly what it's like to have no price and to have no context for the, the choices that you have. Um, any other, you know, experiences, personal experiences that you have, you know, you love in healthcare or gaps when you want to schedule with your doctor that you guys want to cover before we head into the technology piece? Um, you know, Ivy, I would love to be able to answer a question that came in. Um, oh, yeah. So should we ask the, hu the human piece? with? with yes. yes. Let's do it. Because that, I think, will also kind of get us back to experiences that we love and gaps that Perfect. Yeah. Right? Great one, um, In that, I, I, I mean, I, I love the question, right, is because we're talking about digital and we're talking about utilization of technology and how do you keep that human side, right, of healthcare? 
And I think one of the more interesting things that we've experienced as a result of the explosion of telehealth um, is the fact that the majority of patients who have experienced telehealth prefer, right, the convenience, the access, the fact that it's essentially the return of the house call, right, where the doctor is coming to you, or routine types of healthcare, right? Now, I think, of course, anything that's emergency or chronic or whatever, something that involves a little more complicated interaction, telehealth is probably not a viable replacement. But for that kind of routine access to healthcare and access to information about wellness, I think telehealth is incredibly viable. And that patients who have experienced telehealth actually say that the doctor spends more time with them and seems more empathetic and can understand them more as a result of the telehealth visit versus what is, is oftentimes a very rushed and compressed face-to-face -face visit, right? And so if you think about as a patient, you know, driving 30 minutes to the doctor, sitting in the waiting room for 15 to 20 minutes, filling out forms, touching the icky pens, right, on the, on the desk or whatever it might be. It's probably why digital registration is so popular, right? Um, but now you're 45 minutes into this trip and you're still not even in the exam room, right? You go into the exam room and wait some more. Doctor comes in, spends an average of 12 minutes with you, right? You're an hour into this doctor's visit and you've spent 12 minutes, right, with, with your actual doctor. Where with telehealth, right, the doctor comes to you at a time and a place that's convenient for you. And we found that now the doctors are spending in excess of 20 minutes per visit with the patient. So I think, you know, going back to something that Tracy said earlier, as far as empowering the provider, I think telehealth has actually offered an opportunity that for the provider to actually spend more time with their patients and get to know them more right, which I think has actually increased the human touch, even though you're not sitting in the same room with them. That's helpful. So, so just to reiterate the question, team, it was, you know, how can we maintain that human touch and that human aspect um, as we're moving into a more digital environment? So, Tom, I think you covered that well. Tracy, Patrick, anything to add to that? So I would just say, uh, there's technology that's actually empowering that human touch, that's empowering weaving humanity back into the whole care system, as Tom pointed out, you know, an hour and a half in and you're just now getting to see the doctor and you still, you know, the doctor's going from room to room and you've got now another 45 minutes, but the technology is going to be able to empower that because what's happened is with the EMR, right, where the doctor, this is nothing about the EMR, don't, don't shoot me. The, we spend the doctor spent all the time in front of the EMR, right? And they needed to do that. But now what if you have, you know, listening devices that can allow the doctor, empower the doctor to spend that face-to-face -face time with you, whether you're doing it digitally or you're doing it in face-to-face, -face, even in the face-to-face, -face, at some point, the technology will be there to support, whether it's through Nuance and DAX, the technology is there to support the doctor to have a face-to-face conversation with you so that they can look at you and read you while the technology is supporting that appointment. So that's, 
And I do, we have to weave in humanity into this. But I would say right now, our experiences don't really have a human side. I know I need to get care, I hurt my shoulder. I don't want to go back because I have to fill out the same information all of the time. They called, they canceled my appointment an hour before. Now I have to go back, I have to get an injection and this whole thing keeps starting. Where's the humanity? There was no respect for my time, no respect for that I just spent a month on the waiting list to see this specialty provider and I adore her. She's an amazing orthopedic surgeon. I don't want to go back. I don't want where's there's no humanity in how it's treated in my time or respect. I think that the digital front door will empower that. Unfortunately, my provider right now doesn't have that. So I said, okay, well, not only am I not going to get the treatment that I know I need, which and I know that's terrible, but I just don't want to waste the time. Right. If and, and I we're all in healthcare. Imagine those people who are not in healthcare and don't have the patients and don't understand, right? So that I think the technology is there to support these. We do have to make sure we're weaving in humanity, but there's very little humanity in a lot of these processes right now. Yeah, I agree. For us, it's probably like it's a learning situation that we can take and apply to what we're doing at work, not for everyone else. Yeah. All right, Patrick, anything you'd like to add? Well, and I, I saw another question come in that was going to kind of tie in. So I'll try to answer that one as, yeah, as I, I mentioned this. But uh, uh, I, as we talked about before, and I love Tracy's word empowerment, uh, it is really empowering patients with that choice to achieve better objectives, right? The humanity of a waiting room, if there are 50 people in there when there's a pandemic, Let's give them flexibility to wait in their cars and use technology that allows them to take advantage of that if they want. Mm -hmm. And how do we use all of those scenarios to ultimately uh, encourage those, those slower adopters to do it? Uh, I'll be the first one to say, uh, the first time I saw somebody go through the airlines without having to check in at the front desk or even use the kiosk, right? That was the evolution in airlines. It started out, everybody had to go talk to an agent. Even if you were buying a ticket, you had to go talk to the agents. Then they rolled out kiosks. Then one day you see somebody flash their phone and go right to the gate and you're like, wait a minute, why aren't they standing in this 45 minute line with me? That's how you get the slower adopters to look at technology because they see an experience that others are having and they say, how do I get in the fast line? How do I have that experience? What do I need to do? And can somebody take five minutes to show me so the next time I can take advantage of that? A well thought out digital strategy should include that thought process, that training, those slower adopters. Yeah, thanks. Okay, so final question here, and then we're going to wrap up. But, you know, with all of this talk about improved healthcare experiences through a digital front door, it's basically what do we need our tech stacks to look like to support this at a basic level? So we're not going into a deep dive on technology here, but it's pre-care through post-care, the basics of the technology that is supporting this. So it could be just the basics of the platform or, you know, access to whatever records we need. So um, how about Tracy, you lead that, then we'll hit Tom and Patrick and then we'll wrap up. Yeah, I mean, we have so much health data, right? I think I have a number, approximately 30% of the world's data volume is generated by the healthcare industry. And that is expected to rise uh, over the every year for the next, foreseeable years, 
So we have data, right? But you have to tie it all back in. It has to be interoperable. It has to be secure. Um, most most organizations probably have a lot of the technology that will provide collaboration that they can access for their patients' uh, cohorts and their provider to provider, right? So the clinician to clinician, clinician to uh, research and clinician to uh, the patient. That's all this interoperable layer. Some organizations are farther ahead than others, but I think we have to look at all of this data coming in and then create actions. So we have the data and there's more data being driven by, you know, smartwatches and, and Fitbits and you name it. What do you do then with the data? You have to get it back into the patient record. You can't, we just have this data proliferating out there in circles and cycles. So it's, you know, building technology. A lot of us already have those technologies in our health systems that gives you that actionable data that gives you the retention that tells you what your customer, what your patient, what your consumer of health has been looking at. We see it on the retail side. We see it in the hotel industry, obviously through Netflix. We're getting that information. We have access to it. Now we just need to do something with it. Excellent. And we can't hide behind the security layer of this. Yes, it has to be secure 100 percent. But that can't be a, a blocker or a barrier that we create artificially. Here, here. Tracy, um, you know, and I'll add on, right? I mean, I think it comes down to the technology has to basically do two things. It has to, you know, take the data, right, that, that Tracy is talking about and be able to marry it with actionable content, right? So it, it's, and I, I mentioned this earlier, right? It's, it's using the data that you're collecting in order to better understand your customer and kind of know where they are personally in their own journey with you, right? And then being able to deliver up that personalized content or that functionality via the preferred channels at the time and the place that they're looking for, right? So that it enables, so that they know that you know, right? And that you rec they recognize that you're aware of who they are and what makes them special as a person, and that you can then deliver the type of treatment or the type of information, you know, the, the empowerment that they're looking for. So data into actionable content, right, that can be delivered and then consumed by the patients. Thanks, Tom. Patrick, when I close this out on that one, and then I have, I, I, I'm going to get to one final chat question, and then we'll tie, we'll wrap up. Sure, and just to underline what Tom and Tracy said, I think is interoperability of that data, right? Very few health systems, I think, are uh, 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 starting from scratch and looking for the whole enchilada. And so I think, you know, uh, as you look at uh, where you're at in your digital adoption and how you can best serve uh, your patients, you're looking for interoperability of data and vendors and technology that can uh, interoperate with existing assets so that you can sort of plug and play best in breed solutions that uh, best address based on your budget, your goals, your needs of your uh, population. I like that. All right, I'm going to close here then with Catherine's question. Thanks again to all of you who have participated in this conversation. It's so great to have these questions to answer as well. So what is the balance of having patients and people be involved versus too much 
being put on the patient to do themselves, which is actually kind of a great question. So I'll, I'll lob this out to, to any of you three that want to answer first. Um, I see some thoughts you put in the comments there, but uh, I, I want to I, I maybe just uh, throw out there that uh, I'm somebody who can't sleep at 11 o'clock at night and I start looking up things and uh, I'm somebody who's who really wants to be very involved, right? So as we've talked about this uh, digital strategy, it is again not at the expense of patients who want that uh, that human touch, that uh, you know come and speak with somebody and sit down for 30 minutes. I'm somebody more as as Tom talked about that 12 minutes with the doctor. I want to get into the doctor, get in and get out. And anything else you need to do. I might be up at 11 p.m. tonight filling out that data, researching the information you give me, et cetera. So uh, uh, I love the question, and I think it's, again, about a properly designed digital strategy ensures that it's not a one-size-fits-all, that it's not the only way patients can get data so that guys like me who want to do it can do it, while folks uh, who uh, want that, that, you know, more time with the doctor, more time with the staff, are now have the availability to do that. Thanks, thanks to both of you for answering that. Um, Tracy, anything you'd like to close with? And then I'm gonna refer everyone to some polls at the end of our. I think um, for that particular question, Patrick is just beautifully said, right? Meet the patient where they're at. If you need more, if you need less, work with the bot. If you're working with the bot and, and you think, oh, I don't wanna do this anymore, I wanna to talk to somebody, have that be a seamless transition right into that call center, right? Meet the patients where they're at, we can do this. There's the technology, the technology is out there. It's in every other industry, so let's just meet our patients where they're at. Thanks all. Okay, so the poll question that we've got up is, is your interest in learning more about the Adobe and Microsoft and Change Healthcare solutions to provide all of the things that we're talking about today. And then in a second, I'll have uh, Monique put up a poll question asking how you liked our, our performance today. <laughs> we've had a great time discussing these topics. We hope that you've learned something, but as always, feel free to reach out to us. Um, there should be a contact email that will reach Tom and Patrick and Tracy and me and others that have provided a lot of the content that we've then shared with you today. I know there was a question, Tracy, about finding access to that report you referenced on the paradox of choice. So we'll see if we can find a link to that uh, and, and share it out as well in our follow-up email. So wherever you are in the world, thank you again for joining us and have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to the Change Healthcare Podcast. Don't forget to check the show notes for more information on today's topic. Insight, innovation, transformation. Learn more at changehealthcare.com.